Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your host, revolutionary sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Matchmaker Sales Method. If you're a solopreneur who's ready to grow your profits and impact without pressure, pitching, or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This episode is about the crucial mindset needed to succeed as an entrepreneur with Derek Johnson. Derek is a U.S. Army veteran turned life coach that helps people break old patterns so they can thrive, not just survive. Derek has helped over 500 clients and 50 companies go from just surviving to thriving through his coaching modalities and marketing efforts. Let's go. Welcome to the big show. Sales is not a dirty word. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm excited about um, talking to you. I know that, you know, for the listeners, Derek and I share a, t- a toxic family. I mean, kind of like the, I think it's rare that people don't have that. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> so, has a crazy uncle, crazy mother, crazy brother-in-law. Somebody, somebody in that family is a little nuts. <laughs> somebody's crazy. And even if you have amazing people that they have all kinds of limiting beliefs that they program into you um, based on their own fears and their own bad patterns and stuff. And so those things totally affect how you function as an entrepreneur. And so there's a really important topic that Derek talks about, and it's what voices or opinions should you listen to and not listen to? Because as soon as you go into business, or even if you're employed, everybody's got an opinion, especially if you're a business owner. So how do you determine what is your criteria, Derek, for who to listen to? Great question. So the first thing that I like to think of is I used to do this as a teenager. I don't know if family was like, hey, that's an arrogant way of doing it or that's the right way to do it, but it was just natural. But I would always ask them, if I take your advice, will I end up like you? <laughs> and I was like that teenager just being blunt. I was just always blunt and honest. I was like, I don't mean it in a bad way. And I would ask them and it would catch people off guard. And like my parents' friends, I'm like, she's overweight. He's an alcoholic. He has a drug problem. They're all successful or rich, but I was like, I don't want to end up like that. Yeah. And then they're like, well, I'm success. I'm like, that's great. But you chain smoke cigarettes and then you don't want to take your shirt off at the beach in the summer with your vacation. Like all these things that I would think about. So first things first is I would always remind people, ask yourself, do I want to end up like that person? <clears throat> Number two is, does that person even have experience or proof of doing that thing? So like if somebody is the first one in their family to go military, maybe they hear certain voices, or if it's business, if nobody in the family has ever been a business owner, they're going to listen to their friend that says, well, Stacy, it didn't work for her. She tried that too. And I don't know if it's for you, Alicia. And that voice starts going in your head along with other people's opinions. So always focus on step one. Do I want to end up like said person? Step two, does this person even have experience or proof doing that thing? Or did they just read about it? Or do they know one or two people that kind of dabbled in it and they never went all out? And then the last one is, is this decision my decision or someone else's? Is mm-hmm. this decision my decision or someone else's? Because a lot of people that I've worked with, they realize it halfway into their career or near the end that they're like, wow, I really wanted to go this path. But my professor or my mother or my teachers, whoever was like, I think you'd be great at that thing. And maybe they are really successful on paper. And maybe they're really good, but deep down, they're probably not fulfilled. And then they're like, I have great accolades. Everybody says I'm amazing at this thing. But when I lay in bed, I stare at my ceiling. And there's one thing that I always wanted to do. 
And I noticed that that's very common with a lot of people, no matter their level of success in their career. So first off, do I want to end up like them? Second off, does this person have any proof or experience? And third, am I actually listening to myself on this path? Because sometimes you might get great opinions from the right people, but is it really what you want? Because you might be in a field that you're really not interested in, or it doesn't fulfill you at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is that because I think it's hard for people to say like, I don't know, like I might want to do it. I, I might've wanted to. And it comes down to it, the decision should be about more than success. You had these successful people around you, but they weren't happy. So it's like, yes. am I going to end up like you? And are you happy? Like, exactly. Tell me really, like, I don't care if you have money because yeah. it doesn't make you happy. And I think there's a study that like up to a certain point, it helps with that. But then after that point, it has like no relation to it. Um, and I think that's why most people go into being a business owner is that they don't want to just have money. They want to be happy too. Oh, yeah. Because at the end of the day, they truly want that freedom to be able to go where they want, when they want, or just not have that constant pressure from somebody else micromanaging them, which all that sounds great. But if they go the path that fulfills them, then it's going to be an exciting journey. And people will ask him or her, like, how do you do all this? And they're like, I love what I do. That That's why. And to most, it doesn't make sense. They're like, what do you mean you love what you do? Because it's very rare to hear that and to feel somebody's passion to actually solve problems with their product or service. But when you do meet those people, you're like, wow, they actually live what they do. They're not just pushing said product. And then right when they clock out, they're like, I care less about this product. Like, <laughs> I have an example of that in college. I worked for Primerica for a couple of years and I hated it. I was in yeah. college. It was easy. I would go to people's houses, but I was like, this is so cringe just for me. Like I had the skills, but I just didn't like it. I was like 21, 22 selling mm -hmm. insurance. I had zero care in the world or passion about insurance. I was like, this is not for me. My upline was like, you're going to be successful, Derek and blah, blah, blah. And he's all hyped up. And I'm like, I appreciate your energy, but I just don't care about this. <laughs> So it was interesting. And just knowing that and being honest with yourself, no matter what he mentioned, and no matter what I felt that on paper, I could do well, I knew that I wouldn't be happy at all long term. So then I pivoted before I just went all in. So I think that's another thing to look at is like, maybe somebody's in that pivot point of their career to go a different path or just to go all the way in on what they're doing. But being able to zoom out, pushing pride and ego aside for a moment, and just really seeing what do I want and what actually fulfills me solving problems with this product, solving problems with this service, or do I live to get that client text? Like, Hey, I'm down 30 pounds or, Hey, I have my first date in five years or, Hey, I spoke at the presentation without stuttering because I have the confidence now. So like, those are examples that I love to get and that fulfills me. So if somebody has their own version of that with their product or service, I would focus on that because then the money comes all with it. Just give people that amazing experience, actually care about them. And people sense that you're not treating them like a number. And I mean, the, the thing I think most business owners or people that are, you know, want to pursue owning a business or being an entrepreneur is it's not predictable. You want that predictable salary, right? But the person saying that is never a business owner or an entrepreneur. They're always okay. employees. Exactly. It's the, uh, it's the safe route. It's the safety net. I have a client that currently she could crush sales, 
but she doesn't want it because of the, and it's not for my company, it's for others. And I was like, you would do well. I know so-and-so I could get you in. It's up to you. And I'm not pushy. I just identify skills. You have these skills and you enjoy doing this. I think this will align with you. I don't know. I need the safety net. And then uh, this is secure. So every month is that same. I was like, hey, that makes sense, but you can't push it. So I just mentioned it, take a step back. And I'm like, all right, maybe she's on the path that she wants to be on. So I just gave my advice and take a step back. But yeah, you're totally right with some, they stay in it, in their that career, or they get into business because they don't want that quote unquote safety net. They're like, hey, we could have unlimited sales. One month might suck. <laughs> the next month might be better. Or it might be like a 48 hour turnaround. Two days ago, you're like, we're gonna have to close shop 48 hours later. Holy, we just closed the biggest deal. Yeah. So that's all part of the journey. It's a roller coaster. And I'm not everybody is is into that. And that's okay. Um, oh, yeah. For the person who's into it, they really feel like the pros outweigh the cons. And it's just like not letting someone who isn't that type of person change your mind. Because that's the person who's always saying something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they always have the biggest opinion. And what they don't realize is that entrepreneurship and business ownership is just one long journey of personal development. It's literally just all it is. Like if somebody sucks at speaking or sucks at leadership, like they're not, they're going to hit the ceiling quick. Or if they suck at emotional management, whatever it is, everybody has their thing. And that's where the vices come in. That's one of my favorite things to focus on is working with different successful people in different industries is eventually somebody's vices start to control them. And it doesn't have to be as extreme as alcohol addiction or drug addiction. It could just be, they get really quiet for a whole month. Um, when it comes to family or friends and they know that they're in business mode, but then maybe family and friends start to drift away and they're like, well, you're never around. So then that can change. Or maybe it's food or maybe it's not opening up enough. Everybody kind of has their thing that we all could work on. So being able to identify what are my vices? Is it these outside things? Am I letting them control me? Or am I using these <laughs> vices to like overshadow something else? Because that's normally what it is with business owners, like they might crush it on paper, but you see them on the weekends, you're like, whoa, this is an interesting get together. I didn't think that so-and-so would be like this. <laughs> yeah. And when you say vices, do you mean kind of like coping mechanisms? Yes, okay, for yeah. sure. Everybody copes in different ways. And usually they're not, they're not healthy ways of coping. They're like crutches um, exactly. that they've learned. So that makes sense. And I know the other thing that people really run into as entrepreneurs is somebody trying to trying to sell them something. How can you tell that someone is full of shit? Yeah. So first off, if it's in person, you could always tell by the body language and how they carry themselves because you could feel if they stand behind their product or their service. Like there's a difference between the brand new person who you could tell is like, all right, this is her first rodeo. We're, we're going to. We're going to be with her, let her take her time. But I could tell she's passionate about this. She might be stumbling over the presentation, fumbling with the notes or whatever, but you could tell that she truly has passion. Mm. We've all worked with somebody or bought something from someone that was that type of person because you could see it in them. You just want to give them a chance and it wasn't pushy. And then we've all been that old school corporate style sales, like blah, blah, blah. And it just feels like you're talking to a robot. But I think that's number one is body language. Two is how they speak. Like if they don't ask you good questions and they mm. could care less, they're just they're already spending that commission check in their head while they're talking to you. You could just see it. They're like, all right, if she picks option A, I could do this. If he picks option B, we can add to that account. And you could just see their wheels turning. But the best people, they just ask good questions and it doesn't feel like a sales interaction. It just feels like a conversation. You're like, hey, you mentioned these problems. 
you mentioned this gap. We mentioned this. Here's some options on how you can do that. Are you open to learning how to do that? Just like whatever their approach is, but it more so seems like a normal flowing nonchalant conversation where nobody feels pressured. And I feel like those are always the best sales that are interactions. Even if somebody doesn't move forward with my experience, whether it's me or my sales guys on, excuse me, my sales clients that have their careers, if they just treat people like a human, <laughs> like to literally just care, eventually a lot of those people will come back and start with that product or with that service, just because you weren't pushy. And they're like, you know what? I really appreciate them not pushing it. Like you can do the takeaway clothes and they're like, oh yeah, this isn't really for me. And then two yeah. days later, like, hey, I'm ready. And they kind of prove themselves to you. And it's interesting <laughs> how that can work. But yeah, definitely their body language, how they speak to you. And if they're actually sold on their product or service, you can always sense it. Like me in Primerica, I didn't give a shit about insurance. I was like, all right, this could help you. That could help you. And I was honest with them. I was like, I'm not really passionate about this, but this will really change you. And they appreciated my honesty. So I just believe that somebody be, can be transparent that is the best thing nowadays because people play characters at work, online, and so forth. Yeah. I mean, I think that the definitely being curious about somebody's situation is so important. And most of the time, the I see people get burned when they buy a service or whatever from someone because they had a really good, they were really great at marketing. Um and so they bought the dream that they were selling, but the person was like, yeah, this is going to work with work for you without even knowing their situation yeah. um, because they didn't ask those questions to find out. And it, there's just nothing that's one size fits all. So that seems like a great measuring stick to me is like, how much is this person trying to understand if their solution actually solves what I'm dealing with? Or are they just telling me it does and have really good marketing? Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I always appreciate, I mean, there's nothing like online sales where somebody can click and buy or click and start, but yeah. my favorite is, and what I've noticed with others, the best ones are always just a one-on-one -on -one conversation where if it fits for them, great. If it doesn't, and they're like, wait, they're not going to push me. I'm like, Hey, it's up to you. If you want to get started, cool. Or if you want to keep having this issue, it's up to you. And then they're like, nah, let's get started. But people can always sense that. So I always appreciate just the face-to-face, -face, whether it's Zoom or in person, that kind of sale, bring the human side back to it. Cause everything now is click, click, swipe, swipe, buy my stuff, whatever. And there's no feeling there. They're just like buying stuff to buy it. We've all done that. We've seen a good ad. We clicked it because it was speaking to us. We're like, yes. Do you like X, Y, Z? Yes. Do you live in this area? You're like, yes. You click, you buy it. It comes. You're like, I don't even need this crap, but hey, no. that's how they got you. <laughs> well, so Definitely great compass there for who to listen to. Definitely not the people who haven't done what you're trying to do or who don't live a life that you enjoy. And also if you're going to buy something from somebody that measuring stick applies to them too. And also were they trying to understand your situation at all, or just make it sound like whatever was amazing. Um, the other thing that I really love that you talk about is not letting your past spill into your future, because if you're an entrepreneur, well, first of all, every human has some, some reason to be embarrassed or ashamed or broken or whatever. And, um, entrepreneurs do nothing but make mistakes and fail <laughs> yeah. pretty much the deal. Um, exactly. so sometimes people can really like take all of those mistakes and failures and embarrassments and make them their identity and basically just completely psych themselves out in their mind. 
it's a totally internal thing. There's no external thing ruining them except their own internal dialogue. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So if somebody can, number one, control what they focus on and consume. So I like to think of the morning. I always start everything with a good morning routine. If somebody has 10 minutes or somebody has an hour, I would first ask themselves, what am I consuming? Do they grab their phone and open up social media? And the first thing at 6 a.m. they might see is a sad cat video or just something that's dramatic. And they're like, whoa. And then by the afternoon, they might be wondering like, why am I so sad today? And they forgot at 6 a.m. for 10 seconds, they saw this cat video on Facebook. But I like to start with that because everybody has to just control their first few minutes of their morning. What are you consuming? And what are you allowing to pull you? Like for me, I just wake up, drink water, pet my dog, take her out, and then I go to the gym. And then by the time I come back, eat something, and then from there, I'll open up emails. I don't look at any of that stuff. I might post, but I don't look at anybody's stuff. I post my morning routine, but I'm making sure that I don't see any BS to like change my mood. So I would first ask yourself, what am I consuming? Food-wise, internet-wise, apps, and so forth, because those things can dictate and they can grow. They're like, weeds planted in the morning, or excuse me, seeds planted in the morning. Some can become nice flowers, put you in a good mood. Others can turn into weeds. So focus on what you consume in the morning. And then from there, being able to pinpoint like, what actually was the pain in the past? And have I brought it into the workspace? Like that boss who's always angry for no reason. Mm. Like, maybe he hasn't worked out in a couple months, and he hasn't released, you can always kind of tell in their body language, like if he went to a boxing class for 15 minutes, he'd feel amazing. For three days, the team would be like, I don't know what you did with him, but he's been awesome. So that's one example of that person. If he could identify his anger, maybe he hasn't released. And just identifying what it is, identifying what we consume in the morning, and then being able to pinpoint that and take action rather than just carrying it around and then blaming others. But look at who you work with, who's not the example of what you want to be, and you can usually tell what they should work on. We're not necessarily judging, you're just using it as a example, but you can tell. And then looking on the positive side, who is the best manager, the best boss, the best coach, the best coworker that I've ever had? And what are their traits? They're usually number one, in shape. They're usually number two, always in a positive mood. They're always making people smile, making people laugh. And it's interesting, but it's very simple. I like to keep things simple because nowadays there's so much, I wouldn't say just tons of garbage, but a lot of things is designed to confuse people, to make them feel like this guy has a secret and there's nothing else. Like there's that one little secret and everybody's looking for the secret. I just like to do things in reverse and look at simplicity. What are you looking at in the morning? What are you eating? What are you drinking? And all that's going to dictate your mood throughout the day. And then if you're proactive in your morning, you'll be less reactive to the emails, calls, the angry clients, the bad Google review, whatever it was. Like it, it'll piss you off for a minute, but you can handle it better than if you didn't have a good solid morning routine, then you're just reactive to everything. Everything's pulling to you left and right. So yeah, I always recommend that. What are you consuming? And then owning that morning routine. And last but not least, being able to push pride and ego to the side to pinpoint what actually is my thing. Do I need to work on my anger? Do I need to work on that? And being transparent with ourselves. Yeah. And it, it, that makes a lot of sense because news headlines are so disturbing. So if you look oh, at yeah. news in the morning, you're like that. <laughs> I mean, it haunts me for the rest of the day. It was like some tragic story about a missing person or some like horrible, you know, violent accident or shooting or whatever. And it just kind of stays with you the whole day. 
Um, so oh, I've yeah. definitely had my day ruined by that stuff. Um, and it sounds like what you're talking about, as far as being self-aware, it's kind of like emotional literacy, like, like keying into how do I feel in this moment as the way of understanding, is there something I need to work on? Cause if I feel angry, then the next question is like, what is causing that? Yes, exactly. And so like with any negative emotional state, that's not empowering or positive, the easiest way to just first change your physiology. So an example would be if somebody works all day sitting, if they just get up, go outside and go for a walk, or if they just get up and just like start shaking their arms, just doing the opposite of what they were doing. So like right now I'm standing. So this has been one of my Chico's this year is just using the standing desk. I have a client, he has a treadmill at a standing desk and he's yeah. flowing even higher. So I'm like, that's, that's my next step. <laughs> But like, for my example, I would sit down and just breathe and just sit there or pet my dog. And it gets me back into the zone, back into a flow. But step one is always do the opposite psychologically of what you were doing to interrupt that pattern. Because some people, they'll be in that stressful state and they instantly try to meditate, visualize or pray or play music. And then they notice those things don't work in the moment. Those things can work and they're very effective, but if they first change your physiology in regards to them sitting, standing, or just moving their body, then they can start to flow and figure out the solution rather than first thinking or trying to find the solution. Like sometimes you just got to take a step back for two to five minutes, mm -hmm. reset, shake it out. I tell some of my male clients, I'm like, just yell, or if you need to just bark like three or five times in a row and then get some chills. And then you're going to get the solution because if you can control how fast you come back down, or if you come back up, you can make better decisions. So that anger or that sadness, whatever the feeling is, for this person, it might normally last 30 minutes. For this person, it might last two days. But for the one that has good emotional awareness, good emotional control, they just got to go in the bathroom, grab some paper towels and go, Fuck. like just yell into the paper <laughs> towel, come back out, and they're good to go. But they identify better. So pinpointing what is the fastest way that I can come back to being neutral. We're not trying to be overly high or overly down. How can I be back to being neutral and taking advantage of that? I mean, that's an important distinction. It's not about pretending to be positive. And I, you know, it, everybody's allowed to feel bad feelings and it's not that you should like immediately shove them away. I used to work with someone yeah. who would say like, okay, how long do you want to feel like that? And it was just such a great way of putting it. Like, oh, yeah. I, don't know, I guess I'll give myself 10 minutes and then move on um, instead That's of just awesome. sort of wallowing in it. Um, so you're allowed to have the feeling. It's just about not living in the feeling. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, and if, if people can figure out like what works for them. So I'll just mention a few examples is the physiology is the fastest way. Do the opposite. If you're sitting, stand up blast some music, your favorite artist, shake it out, dance, go for a walk, pet your dog, play with your kids, just do something random. Some people will call that release your inner child, like just have fun for two or five minutes, and then go back to it. If that doesn't work, then they could knock out some burpees, do some push-ups, run in place, just get moving. And if you're somebody that's on your feet all day, sit down and just breathe. Then you can meditate, visualize, pray, whatever you like to do. But just doing the opposite of what's happening, instead of looking for like the new biggest thing. Because people I've noticed is they get endorphin hits by just getting inspired, but it doesn't really do much. Like they'll watch 10 different motivational videos or buy five different books, but 
but their life really doesn't change it much. And they have all these new things, but it's like, when was the last time you controlled your emotions faster than 10 minutes? Like within 10 minutes, if you can come back down or come back up, that's when they can really get the task done. Because normally they, they go for that inspiration just to tap out of the now. They're like, I don't really feel good right now. So I'm going to watch David Goggins. I'm going to listen to Andy Frisella. I'm going to listen to Mel Robin, whoever. They're all amazing people, but it's so in your face now that it really doesn't do much for most people because they look at it all the time. So if they can just say, you know what, let me stop looking for outside sources and start to take control. So I can be the one to manage it. I don't need the inspiration kick right now. I can breathe. I can do the opposite of whatever I was doing. Yeah. There's so many people that just get um, hyped up for motivation. I've heard Tony Robbins events are like that. And then it's like, it doesn't last because you have to do stuff. You can't just yeah. walk, like consume things. You have to. Exactly. Um, so when you started entrepreneurship, what would you go back and tell yourself? So what I would tell myself is that you're on the right path. Keep your faith strong and use that pain as fuel. You're on the right path, keep your faith strong, and use that pain as fuel. So growing up in a family that the phrase I love you was just not used much, but in that home, it was all fuel in regards to fitness was my outlet. So like I would read Bruce Lee books, Arnold Schwarzenegger books, I would just learn about the body. And then I would get in better shape. And I was like, I want somebody to feel the way I feel. And then like being 14, 15 years old, I was trying to figure out how to become a trainer. And then I went from there. And then in the army, I was training soldiers to come back from deployments or from injuries, like if they gain weight after having a surgery or anything. And then I just started to realize, I was like, everything's coming together in terms of just helping people. And I realized that the more people I can help with their own goals, the more I'm actually fulfilled and the more that they're fulfilled. So I noticed it was a good positive correlation where I was like, at least for me, there's no other field that it's a win-win in both ways that like fulfills both people. So all I always like to teach people to heal yourself to then heal others, even if it's not your career, because they can sense somebody that's been through some dark shit <laughs> that worked on themselves and that then can connect with people and like help them. So like if somebody's worked for a boss that his or her energy is just on point, you're like, man, she's a badass or he's a badass. Guarantee you once they peel back their layers, they're like, oh, they, they've been through some wild stuff. Like no wonder they're, they're so good at doing that thing or being able to relate to people. But yeah, so in terms of that journey, it was just knowing that deep down, I was here to help people. I don't know, it sounds very cliche, but just by not having said attention or love, I knew that I had to give that attention and love to others so they can feel more empowered and confident. And then deep down, I knew that it was going to be full circle. So it was interesting how that happened along the path. Well, it sounds like you just lead it, leaned into what was fulfilling to you. And, you know, to your point, my cousin is actually going through, like, she always wanted to be in film, but I guess okay. she really wanted to be a stand-up comic. And okay. my mom is like all about the stable, predictable life. And so she pretended to have this, you know, TV producer career for a while, but like hated it because anybody who's been in film knows that you're just like a slave. Um, and she was on, you know, Dr. Oz, which is not the show that you're excited about promoting, right? Yeah. Um, being a part of. <laughs> so big name, but the message and impact, not really great. And so exactly. at 30, 32, she started her stand-up comedy career. And so 
she finally was like, I'm admitting it. This is what I want. This is what I'm doing. And she's so happy. But like the more you deny that choice, kind of like the longer, the more time, I don't want to say wasted, but like, you know, oh, yeah. like you just wish you'd admitted it to yourself earlier. Exactly. There's actually a trick that I like to talk about is I didn't don't coin me for the phrase, but it's called conscious congruency. I want to say Napoleon Hill first used this in like the early 20s, but conscious congruency in terms of all small actions. If you go to the fridge right now, your conscience will tell you something. Usually you open up the pantry. All those small moments are the most important because later on when he or she's 32 and wants to be become a stand-up comedian, they have more of that grit to make that decision to go that way because their conscience is, is in alignment with what they're doing. So I would challenge people to think about, are, am I listening to my conscience lately? Like, did I grab the water or did I grab the sweet tea? Did I go to this restaurant? Did I go to that restaurant? Did I uninstall the dating app that hasn't gotten me anywhere? Or do I keep going on stupid dates and getting, <laughs> getting embarrassed? Whatever, whatever's happening, like everybody has a conscience that's telling them to do something. Or am I scrolling for more than 10 minutes and now I'm in a rabbit hole and I don't know how I ended up on this page? <laughs> like whatever it is, being able to listen to the conscience and just pausing for a moment and saying, did I hit my limit on this thing? Or am I doing something that's designed, like that's going to get me moving forward? But I've noticed that the best people in their fields, they just literally just let their conscience guide them. Whether that's somebody thinking that it's God's voice, whatever it is, energy, whatever they believe in. But if they can truly tap into that higher self, their conscience or their faith, they'll start to be guided and pulled towards that direction where they don't feel like they're grinding or pushing as much because they're pulled to a greater cause. So that person, they'll make that decision to change your career faster and not really stress because the other person 16 times a day, they make the wrong decision to their conscience. So when it comes to a major decision, they freeze, they get scared, they have fear because all day long they've been choosing the wrong things. So are you stacking wins or are you stacking losses by not listening to your conscience? Hmm. Well, I think that's a good stopping point for us. And so we've reached the end of yet another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Thanks again to Derek for making an appearance as our guest today. I appreciate you having me, Alicia. And can, can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they could work with you? Yes, for sure. So the best way would be via Instagram is fit with Derek and the number two, fit with Derek two. And in terms of one-on-one -on -one coaching, it would be fitwithderek.com. Very straightforward. And my whole intent with social media is just to show a daily process where people see what somebody's doing in terms of myself or clients, where they see real people doing real things, where I'm just full transparency. I'm not for everyone. You're not for everyone. But I challenge everybody to just be themselves and the right people will come. Well, I can't agree with that message anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast, where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without pressure pitching or pretending to be someone else. And if there's something in your sales process and you're not sure what it is that is holding you back from having people who can't afford you and need what you've got moving forward, then book a sales quick fix call. I'll identify the top three things you can immediately implement to increase your sales and Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.